0: The story.
1: My friend finds me on the floor unconscious. Her immediate response after calling triple zero was to call a friend and one of the pastor's wives. She left the service to answer the phone, and Deanna said to her, oh, "I just asked her, please pray. Bernice has collapsed. We don't know what's wrong. She's unconscious. Please, can you get everybody to pray?"
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to the story. Today we have an unexpected brush with death. Benice Hills from South Africa had a stroke at the age of 35 which was followed by brain surgery. This wife and mother of two small children suddenly found her life turned upside down. She was told her medical condition affects one in four million. We'll find out how she survived and how her faith gave her peace while she's walked through the valley of the shadow of death. She's having a chat With Karen Hunt.
2: Let's unpack your journey properly. You grew up in South Africa. Let's go back to those early little girl days of Bernice. What was life like for you in South Africa?
1: My life, my childhood in South Africa, you know, if I look back, not with a, a lens of today, what I know today, but what I look back then, it was a really great childhood to a certain degree. My uh, mum and dad, they got divorced when I was about 11, 12. So there was a certain amount of you know, undercurrent in the family, but putting that aside, we were a happy family. You know, um, I had two brothers, one older and one younger. And I was literally and figuratively the jam inside the sandwich. You know, two (laughs) girls, one boy. It's fun. The sweet one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The one, the firecracker, or the chilli, as my brothers would call Ooh, me. not the sweet jam. <laughs> firecracker, the live wire. That's, you know, life of the party. Nothing would uh, pass me by, you know. Talk of an active childhood. I was a runner from when I was six years old. I remember clearly when I was grade one, winning my first race, and I just loved it. And I've been a runner ever since, so... You know, from six till I'm now 40, I've I've always been a runner. You know, at school I was a sprinter, so my favourites were the 100 and 200, and uh, later on the 400. You were talking of firecrackers
2: just then. I know back a while ago, the movie Chariots of Fire, that particular movie, was that an inspiration for you as a runner with your running? absolutely
1: Karen you know it was one of those movies that you know I watched um actually what I the first time I saw it, I was in grade I think grade eight Mm -hmm. and uh, we had it as our um prescribed book in English but we didn't have a book we watched either video or film as it was then and I remember being so enwrapped by the story of Harold Abrams and Eric Little you know and you know Eric's Desire and just that joy of running. At, at that time, I had I had stopped running, and it was just like this little bug had you know started to niggle again, saying, "Hello, hello, you know you've been given a talent, <laughs> you can do this." And you know it's it's been a movie that um, I now enjoy with my children. Beautiful. My kids love the movie. It's you know? very and inspiring.
2: Where and how did you meet this gorgeous young New Zealand man by the name of John? Who became your lovely
1: husband well we met on a blind date in Cape Town (laughs) (laughs) okay yes tell us more um, (laughs) it was amazing you know I got this telephone call at work and I was absolutely shocked because we had a mutual friend Mm -hmm. and she kept on saying to John oh John I must introduce you to my friend Bernice and um she would always conveniently forget and then lo and behold one day I don't know what Uh, I can't remember what triggered it, but she said, oh, but I must introduce you to my friend Bernice. And John said to her, just give me her number. So she gave him my number, and he called me. I was totally, of course, I had no heads up. My uh, friend Wendy didn't ring me and say, oh, by the way, um, John's (laughs) going to call you. He called me, long story short, he called me, asked me out on a date. I was very hesitant and eventually said yes. Went out on a date with him, had the most amazing three-and-a-half-hour dinner date with him. And I remember going home and saying to my mum, Mum, how do you know that you've met the right one? And she looked at me and she said, you just do. Mm -hmm. So that was September 1999. Mm -hmm. And then John and I did, um, he did with me uh, my first half marathon. So that was 21.1 kilometers. And at that time, that was the furthest I had run. And uh, which was the Cape Town Half Marathon. And then just before we got married in May 2000, we did the Two Oceans Half Marathon, which was just amazing and just loved it.
2: So the bug had bitten by then, Oh, hey? yeah,
1: well and truly.
2: Not just the love bug, <laughs> but <laughs> the running bug as well. So,
1: yes, the running bug, absolutely. <laughs> so how did you come to Australia? Well, John, um, his mum is... Um, she was, she was born in Biloela, mm-hmm. um, in Queensland okay. and um, she met her uh, husband Phil and they moved to Auckland, New Zealand where, they, where John was born and grew up and then he decided at the age I think of 27 that he wanted to travel and so he travelled the world and ended up in South Africa. And so after we got married, um, we were talking about, you know, do we stay or do we go? He, um, his business partner had just bought him out of the business that they had owned. And um, we decided, well, listen, let's bite the bullet now before we have any children. Mm. And so that was that. So in August 2000, we arrived on um, prison shores. And um, yeah, 14 years later, we're still here
2: beautiful and you've got two kids now. So we're going back what 2009. Life had settled into this kind of rhythm that anyone with young kids and busy work lives and and mortgages would be only too familiar with. It was about to take a sudden and internally violent departure your life. What happened the morning of October 18,
1: 2009? So that's in the morning, we woke up, nothing out of the ordinary. John was playing his monthly golf game, which happened to fall on a Sunday. I was getting the kids ready for um, church. And I wasn't feeling that great. And I just thought, oh, I don't have time to be, you know, feeling like this. I need to, we need to get to church. I had something to eat. And then I just disagreed with me and I had to run to the bathroom, got to the bathroom and got violently ill. Mm -hmm. And so to speak, that my body was just getting rid of anything that didn't need to process or work. So I then lost consciousness and fell off the toilet oh. and hit, my, my, hit, the, hit the floor. And I came to, you know, and I'm thinking, I need to get help. And I didn't want my son to see me half naked in the bathroom. Oh, so I, nice. I, I, I got the towel and I covered myself. I called him and he was six at the time. And so he came to the bathroom, and I said to him, "Get me muffin, and um, call onto Diana." I just thought I had the random, you know, tummy bug or something mm-hmm. like that, and As I just you would. thought well, I needed—I just needed some help. And I called my friend Diana, and she came over about 20 minutes later. But I didn't—I don't remember any of that. The next couple of sentences, are, I'm going to be giving you their rec- their recount of what happened. Mm-hmm. So she arrived, um, she couldn't rouse me. I was out of account. Um, I do remember hearing her voice and she said to me, what you said to me, Bernice, was, Deanna, take my children and look after them, Aww. you know? And then I was gone. They then, she then called triple O, ambulance came. They rushed me to QE2 hospital. They tried to stabilize me there. But they also realized that um, I was too critical to, for, for them to treat me. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, of course, now they're trying to get hold of John as well, uh, who was out on the golf course. Eventually, they get hold of John. He looks at his phone and he says, Oh, quite a few missed calls from Deanna. Deanna never calls John. And um, so what happened then, sh- um, he was about to ring her back, and she rang him. But I must backtrack to when she found me. Here, my friend finds me on the floor, unconscious. Her immediate response after calling triple zero was to call a friend and one of the pastor's wives. And so when she got the call in the middle of the service, she looked at her phone going, Deanna doesn't call me mid-service because she knows I won't answer. She left the service to answer the phone and Deanna said to her, just asked her, please pray, Bernice has collapsed. We don't know what's wrong She's unconscious. Please, can you get everybody to pray? Mm. And what was told, what um, Jenny then said to me was that they'd stopped the service and they prayed for me. God bless them. And I know, Karen, beyond a shadow of a doubt that God, supremely heaven, came to earth. Because I know now looking back that I could have been seriously, seriously ill today still had prayer not been a um, key instrument in in my in, in my journey, yeah. and it has been ever since. So jumping back forward to um, to the hospital, John eventually arrives. They transport me to the PA hospital, where they are again trying to stabilise me as much as possible. It, we had a long wait apparently at the hospital, and eventually they um, admitted me and got me into the high dependency unit sent John home, and he of course got home, and he had to now take care of Joey and Sarah, Joey being six, and Sarah being three.
2: I was just going to say, where's your little boy amidst this, you know? Um,
1: My friend Deanna, again, her Mm -hmm. husband just took him, so they didn't see the ambulance come and fetch me, Um, they, um, uh, uh, Damien took them to the park where they um, could play, Mm -hmm. you know, and be distracted, Mm -hmm. which I am ever so grateful for. And, um, so, you know, that, that was one of my very, um, it was very much there in the back of my mind Did this scar Joey in any way. And in saying so, I remember the very first time he came to visit me in hospital, he didn't sit next to me. He basically sat on top of me, crossed his arms and looked at everybody <laughs> around me as if to say, who are you and Aww. what are you doing with my mum? Yeah. I'm here to protect her. Mm. And, you know, bless this little boy. You know, he's three, um, six years old and he was going to protect mummy as much as he could. And, um, you know, what could he do? And I just, it was just so cute. My daughter being three, first thing she says to me, I'll never forget, she says, Hi, mum is there any chocolate for me? <laughs> 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 and luckily for her, I did have chocolate in my in my drawer and, I, I, and I'm really grateful to my friends who all, um, you know, made sure that I had a drawer filled with lollies or when mm. the kids did come to visit me.
2: So, Bernice, in essence, you had a stroke that day mm-hmm. at the age of
1: 35. 35, a I had a fit, stroke. A fit, healthy, beautiful yep. young woman. Absolutely, yep had no, um, you know, um, indications that, um, you know, something's wrong. You know, post the surgery and everything, um, doctors, my neurosurgeon, said, did you have any headaches? Of course I had headaches. I didn't have time for headaches. I needed to go and, you know, go on with life. I have two young, small children that I needed to take care of. I couldn't um, put my life on hold because I had, you know, a headache. And um, But who knew that something deeper was lurking yeah. so to speak you know and um, so jumping forward they found then after a battery of MRIs, CAT scans, angiograms that I had this thing what they call an AVM lodged between my two brain lobes and generally the AVM stands for um, anterior venous malformation of veins and arteries so it basically means just a big fat mess of veins and arteries that you ask why as the neuro said. He can't tell me why. Is it genetically? Am I genetically prone to it? No one in my family had it. I was just that mm. one in four million. One in four million. One in four million. Wow. My surgeon had said, you know, that so um, we're going to do radiation therapy, but they ended up going for radical surgery. And of course, you don't. Un- you just go, okay, um, yeah, I hope to get it. You guys know what you're doing. <laughs> do what and you have to do. You do what you have to do, you know, I didn't know what to do, um, you're the experts. And so um, when they said, okay, we're going go to go radical surgery, I was like, okay, that's right, let's go, let's do it. And so um, we went ahead and did it, and you know, I found very casual, but you know, Karen, the whole time I was there, I was never one time anxious, like, oh my gosh, oh, not once. Every step of the way, filled with God's peace but I knew that he had me in the centre of his hands.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Bernice Hills from South Africa. Bernice is a wife, mother and survivor of a stroke and brain surgery. We'll hear more of her story, including her goal of running in the New York Marathon when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. You're listening to The Story. Today Karen Hunt is chatting with Bernice Hills from South Africa. Before the break, we heard about her stroke and consequent brain surgery at the age of 35. Next, we'll hear more of her story of recovery and about the unexpected news of her brother's medical condition.
1: I have an amazing bunch of girlfriends and we were journaling um, together and uh, they would come to the hospital and journal. And my friend Mel said to me the one day, she said, Bernice, we were having Bible study and you... We're talking one minute and the next minute you were fast asleep and we were all looking at you oh, wow. thinking, Are you, is she joking with no. us? Is she messing with us? And she said, "Bernice, she was so peaceful. <laughs> it's like you just snuggled in to the father's lap mm. and fell asleep. Mm. And... That basically cut our Bible study short. And, um, so this you know, was
2: after your brain surgery. So
1: you've had the stroke. Yes. You're how old by this stage? 36? I'm 35, No, I'm still 35. Still 35. So I'm still 35. You know, I, I was in the ward with three other people, and I was the youngest. Um, you know, there was an old... There was a couple of old fellas and an old lady, and I was the youngest there. And you... You just look at the picture and you go, "No, I shouldn't be here." Really, Mm. you know, I shouldn't be. I just should not be here, you know. Mm. And but I just also look at this way, Karen. Bad things happen to good people, you know. Did I say when I was born like, "Hey, this is what I want to sign up for"? No, but I know, you know. It's it's years of just pouring my life into God, having that strong foundation, having that base that knowing who I am in Christ, knowing who He is in me, and having that peace to walk through whatever, you know. God's Word says, you know, in Psalm 23, it's, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil, you know, and I feared no evil. I didn't fear that, oh, something bad was going to happen to me, that I was not going to pull through this, this um, surgery, you and jumping forward to the day of my surgery, going down, looking my neurosurgeon in the eye, saying to him, you know, you're God's hands today. You're going to go in and get this thing, and I'm going to come out here fine. Brave girl. And he looked at me, Karen, and he just as if to say, gee, I wish I had your faith, mm. or lady, you're absolutely crazy, <laughs> you know, you want to of crazy, <laughs> you know. But it was just that peace that surpasses all understanding that I, knew, that I knew 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 that God has my back. I'm in the center of His hands and my daddy is not going to let anything bad happen to me.
2: Mm.
1: And I also, you know, the other, there's another scripture that jumps to mind. is like, you know, for me to live is Christ but for me to die is gain. And I was really at that point where I go, you know, whether I live or whether I die, if this is my time that has been allotted to me, if this is it, well then so be it. Father, your will be done, not mine To back that up, I remember the night Before my surgery, John came home Absolutely exhausted, put the kids to bed And got them all sorted out And he flopped on the bed and he just prayed He said, Lord Jesus Joey and Sarah are too small to not have a mummy You do whatever you need to do To bring Bernice back home You know, he didn't pray this This whole massive prayer Or anything like that But his heart called out to God, you know and I don't understand, Karen, why I came out fine and some people that go through surgeries or accidents, they don't. Yeah. And I don't have an answer for that. All I have is to say that, you know, clearly it was not my time to go yet. Clearly God still has things for me to do. My time is not yet done. And that has given me also a very good reality check of when you get sick, complacent oh well you know i'm just going to live my life actually you got i've got to live it on purpose for a purpose that's what he has created me for going even further it's it's about a relationship it's talking to my daddy god daily you know um last year my older brother died suddenly you know and i had to question the whole thing of god why he had 42 years why not rather take me And that's how I was also growing up. When my brothers got into trouble, I would always say, I'll take their punishment. But, you know, death is not a punishment. Death is part of life. I I know that. It's not pleasant, but it's part of life. So, Bernice, you
2: survived.
1: Yes. You are a walking, talking
2: miracle yourself. Yes. Yes. And then... Four years later, your
1: brother, what did
2: he die from, Bernice?
1: Well, according to the death certificate, Brigada syndrome, which is um, basically an irregular heartbeat that uh, can only be detected when you're alive. So what happens if you're alive, um, the heart stops, it'll go again. But if you're sleeping, it doesn't go again. So he was a healthy man? Healthy, fit, healthy, happy Out of the blue. Out of the blue. When I got the call, I thought there was an accident. I thought my brother, you know, because they had driven from London to Croatia through Europe, I thought that there was a motor car accident because that's what would have made sense. And when Jason said to me, baby, we don't know, I think it must be a heart attack then. Must be a heart attack. You know, and when both Jason and I You know, we went back. He went back to South Africa. I came back to um, Australia. We both went to cardiologists, and they both concur, different countries, that you can only test for this Brugada syndrome if you're alive.
2: Mm.
1: So it's an inconclusive to us. I want something to tell me why Ian died. Why? But Karen, I don't have an answer. All Mm -hmm. I do know is that he's no longer with us, Mm. and I'm not God. God is God with my questions I can run to him I can run to my daddy God and say God I don't understand I want him back he's got two little girls you know and one thing I've learned through this whole journey is that Jesus only Jesus is a rescuer he's our rescuer he's our link he's our connector back to God not, I, I think on the eve of my 40th birthday, I really had said, thank God that I am who I am, that God is who He is, and I'm who I am, and I don't want God's job. Mm. You know, that was in a bit of a nutshell, <laughs> I, I, I put that, and as hard as that is to not have an answer, to go, okay, God, well, that's one thing that I'd like to chat to you about when I see you face to face. And that's eternity. I also look at it this way, you know, we've been given however many years here on earth. Yeah. But we get to spend eternity with God. Eternity is not defined by a number of years. Eternity does not have an end time. And that I get excited about because I know without a doubt that my brother is with Jesus. Looking ahead to today, it's taking me now to the point where I'm um, training at the moment for the Gold Coast Marathon in um, in July, and then um, that's a lead up to running the New York Marathon. Yeah, oh, God yes, bless you, girl. Yes. And it's a motivation as well, um, Karen, because Ian, my older brother, said, you know, he was going to be my cheerleader. He wasn't going to run it, but he was going to cheer me on, and. You know, there was times where, again, I didn't want to run after his death. But you know what? I, I had I felt so much freedom and so much joy when I did that I knew I had to do it. Mm. I had to do it. I had to carry on. And so, you know, it's like, okay, I can do this. God, you've given me a gift. Let me do this, you know. And when I run, it's like Eric Little, I, I'll never forget, <laughs> he snaps his head back just slightly but he said, and I, and I really agree with it, it's like when I run, I feel the presence of God. Mm. When I run, I feel His presence. When I'm not pushing myself to accomplish goals and things that other people have said, or, you know, I just go, in your time, in your past, Daddy God, let me do this. And it's then that I feel this absolute joy of running with Him.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with walking, talking miracle survivor, Bernice Hills from South Africa. An incredible story of being one in four million to have such a medical condition and to suffer a stroke at the age of 35. But as we heard, she has recovered and is now out running marathons. Remarkable. Her faith has been strong every step of the way and a good reminder for us all that when we go through the valleys of life, we should fear no evil, because the Lord, our God, is with us. And if you're going through a valley right now in your life and you'd like someone to pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We would love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
2: I have a daughter, she's 13 and I'm now becoming more and more aware of the lies out there attacking the teenage girls of this current day, through media, through peers and even the women of all ages and I I just have this mission in my life to combat these lies and bring truth where there's lies and lack of hope.
0: Rachel Hook is an image consultant and has a heart for helping women struggling with their identity and self-confidence. She's also a gifted violinist and has learned that appearance is a big part of being a performer. She'll share some of her music and some biblical beauty tips next time. The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.